Welcome to a new episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Kathy. <laughs> Kathy is going to be uh, on screen, but we'll be painting instead of seeing her awesome face. Um, she has models she wants to work on. She's going to be working on some war cry models. Um, so you'll be watching that. Um, it may be a little small. Just kind of go in there and peek, squint really hard. Um, we're on episode 94. There you go. You happy, John? Uh, I'm happy. Are you happy? <laughs> Today's discussion is we're going to talk about Star Wars miniature games. And Kathy is going to be talking about painting on stream. Uh, I'm going to be asking her a few questions on that because uh, something's been happening pretty good with Kathy on stream. And I think uh, we can kind of celebrate that. Um, other than that, let's go ahead and with our normal. Kathy, what are you drinking tonight? Coffee. Coffee? All right. Later, I'll be uh, graduating to tea. So all the caffeine tonight for you is what you're saying. Oh, the tea is decaffeinated, not uh, decaffeinated. It's just a, it's a green tea. It's a green tea, gotcha. Uh, John, what's your drink of choice tonight? Well, I'm going to start off with a shot of uh, Captain Morgan Cannon Blast and then uh, graduate to a Force Blow, which for those of you not keeping track, is orange juice and crack and rum. John is drinking the rum for me since I'm out of uh, any drinkable alcohol in our house. So, uh, if you're drinking with us, uh, put us in chat with you what you're drinking so we can see. Also, uh, tonight I actually forgot to get a glass, so I'm gonna drink straight out of the bottle uh, some sort of leash. I'm just gonna tip that bitch up. Feel like it. a redneck Canadian. <laughs> straight out of the bottle. Very straight, good. Straight out of the bottle, um, guys. Coming soon to a paint cup near you. <laughs> oh. We want to thank everybody for showing up and for listening, and not only just our Twitch ones, but also our ones that listen to us on all the different platforms that we're on. Um, we usually get quite a few listeners on the off channel, which is really good. We appreciate it. If you listen to us on one of those channels, go to our Facebook page. You can find us on More Than Dice, a podcast. Uh, give us a like. Give us a listen. If you have something you want us to talk about, post it up there. We don't have a problem. We will always try to find something to talk about. And if you give us things to talk about, we'll do it even more. Um, John, do we need to salute anybody this week? Yes. Uh, Aaron Eisenberg, who played Nog on uh, Deep Space Nine, just passed. Oh. Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw he, that this morning. He was like 50. Um, so, rather relatively young and overall passing. Yep. Um... Else? I think that's the only one I saw. There, there is, but I don't remember who it was. Because I didn't write that thing down. I think the other one showed up in the middle of us uh, podcasting uh, last week. No, not Rick Ocasek. Well, I mean, should I try and find out? I guess you find out. Yeah, Rick Ocasek, we, we said that in the middle of our cast. Yeah. So. All right. To all of our listeners, here, there, and everywhere, thank you. Cheers. 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 Good out of the bottle. Just as good. I still feel like you should be drinking that and eating waffles at the same time. It's not as I mean, that sounds good. Saying waffles sounds good. <laughs> so... Alright guys, uh, today's episode, uh, we wanted to talk about some stuff because I bought some things, John. Um, 
And someone bought That's me some things, too. Way to be vague. We're going to talk about some stuff. And I bought things. I bought the Guardians of the Republic X-Wing set. Ooh. Oh. Um, models. See, 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 see models. And then a good friend of mine, a really, really good friend of mine, bought me two Arc 10s um, to supplement my army. And it got me thinking. Now I Arc one seventies, the yeah whatever yeah, the new the arc the arc models, which I think are. I'm gonna say something first. The X wing models. I started X wing when it first came out. You know the first edition of it, and played a little bit of it, and it was okay. Had had, had fun with it, and then got rid of it because we didn't have many people to play with. No big deal. Um, but then you know the new edition came out, and it's kind of picking up a little bit. And, of course, we have the X-Wing Grand Championship at uh, Warfare Weekend. And, I mean, I wanted to get just a little bit of the X-Wing models um, just to play and have a few games. You know, just not waste, like, a, you know, thousands of dollars on it. But, you know, so I can just go, hey, want to play some X-Wing? Because i got a friend of mine locally uh, that plays uh, that just lives, like, 30 minutes from me. So, And uh, I was looking at all this stuff, trying to figure out which one I liked. Um... And I was like, okay, I, I collected uh, the Republic stuff last time. Um, I didn't like the droid stuff, so I was like, oh, we'll go with the Republic. Um, these little ships are badass looking. They were yeah. a lot cooler than I thought they were. They, um, they level up uh, between, uh, between their various uh, editions. Yeah, and I'm talking serious. The detail on these are really, really good. The paint is really good on them. Everything is just superb on them. It's even better if you take an old, older v version of something and look versus the newer version. Oh. You will see quickly, like, holy crap. Yeah. And I'm not counting things like X-Wings wings that close and open as well. I mean, I'm talking, like, just straight paint application. Yes. Uh, I was really, really impressed. The arcs are really cool. Everything is just, like, really sweet. I'm going to pick up a few other models uh, tomorrow and uh, do it. But I was like... It got me thinking about miniature gaming and the Star Wars stuff. Now, we have Star Wars Legion, which you and I have talked about numerous times. We did, we don't even need to go over it. That it's your traditional miniature gaming that, you know, you buy the models, put them together, and paint them. Um, cool. No problem. But for some reason, the X-Wing, and I wanted you to talk about Armada, is it's all pre-painted. And mm -hmm. we're going from what I remember pre-painted was was like well, Mage Knight. Remember, Armada is pre-painted except for the squadrons, Correct. which you can paint if you want, which I have. Correct. I mean, you, you do have that, but for the most part, you're not painting. Oh, yeah. No. But you can. Yes. you Because that's another subject I wanted to do after I started talking about X-Wing and Armada, about, or X-Wing a little bit, is the aftermarket of uh, repaints. Because there are some people that are doing some really cool shit with these repaints. Oh, yeah. I've seen some amazing X-Wing stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, just incredible repaints. Oh, yeah. They're, they're like the guys who are doing repaints of, like, toys and stuff. Transformer models and what have you. They're, there's some shit hot work out there. Yeah, I'm talking, like... I, I'm looking at stuff. I'm like, they're painting these skulls on it. Especially, like, the mercenary stuff. Painting tons of skulls and, you know, markings all over them. And I'm like... Holy shit! Yeah, That's just a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. So it was it was interesting, um, but it got to the thing where I was thinking that 
I don't know if it's just me, or if it's just the kind of the slump I'm in in painting-wise and gaming-wise, or I just don't have enough time, um, that I'm really honestly looking for games that I don't have to paint a lot of or buy a lot of. I mean... Let me start with uh, the, the entirety of the rant. I'll be short. You don't ever have to paint your models. Don't let anyone tell you you have to. Correct. I mean, but you, you understand what I'm going from this, right? I know, yeah. but I need to make sure everyone knows because that's yeah. one of the causes I champion. Yeah. Um, Play the models that you like. Yeah. Um, but I was like, when I looked at these, I was like, holy crap, these things are, they're incredible by themselves. Because mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I might pick up a few and repaint them, uh, buy some used ones, and do some cool little re repaints just for fun. Because mm -hmm. some of them look, they just look like it'd be real interesting to do. Um, but then I started talking about the the gameplay. Um, now I haven't played it in the new edition. I remember the old edition. I remember, you know, the things going on with that. So it's not like it's, you know, I know it's different, but it's not like so different that it's, you know, the entire world is different type thing. You know it's not really different. It's it's the same core game. They they fixed Correct. some fight points and changed a bunch of little things. So they had to. But because uh, I was looking at some of the rules and just going over it, and I was like, okay, this is still pretty cool, still the same thing, and I don't have to worry. And I know I'm kind of like bowling over with this but I don't have to worry about it as much and I can feel like I can just bring it out and play and I don't have to build a lot now, don't get me wrong you got to build your squadron you have to say what point value you're playing at blah 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 but I don't feel that it's like a war machine hordes 40k so much detail that I'm concerned that if I pick one unit wrong is going to be the end of the world. For my well, I mean, it's actually, I, I would actually counter, and I don't, I don't want to hear this, technically the unit choices are more important because you'll have less of them. Correct, but I'm just saying that I, I, can, I feel like I can buy a bunch of stuff or a bunch of spaceships, not waste a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And still feel okay with my purchases. I mean, yeah, you... you, you Basically, just get like one or two of every fighter. If they're big, you only want need one necessarily. The smaller ones you can get two. And you, know, you need to get them all right away, and then you can pretty much make your make your army. They don't have the the upgrade cards are not as important because they have an app that does all that for you now. Yeah. And the cards being the cards aren't limited like they used to be. Correct. Which you I should think is get one of the pretty biggest much all you need in there. Yeah, they're they're doing that with for everything. Legion's got a. Uh, set coming out two of the cards that uh, were hard to get so that you can just get a bunch of them. Yeah. And hopefully they'll do it with Armada when Armada has its big push next year because that is the biggest problem with Armada if you want to get in there is the cards, not the models. Because the ship's prepaints are awesome. Yeah, because I mean... All the stuff. Uh, yeah, like I said, X-Wing events sell out pretty big wherever they go. And m most... Star Wars miniature games sell out pretty big. We haven't, we don't know much about Legion as much as we do the other ones. I don't see a lot of Armada tournaments. No. Um, X-Wing and Legion, we do see. Because um, actually someone asked us at, for Warfare Weekend if we were doing to do Armada. And I don't know how it is wherever else is, but Armada is pretty much dead for a lot of people. John? 
it's it's dead for a lot of people because there hasn't been a lot of support recently. Because I mean, there's only so much they could do. They were sort of in this weird restructuring, and to be honest, things outside their control uh-huh. has made getting models here from their print their their their, their production place in China difficult. Yeah. So it it is it is much slower and much slower than others. And I always find it funny that X Wing events sell out because I'm gonna throw some shots here. Yep. Good. X-Wing is a fucking terrible tournament game. <laughs> See, I've never played it in a tournament setting. I've only played it, you know, like me and my friends. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's casual strengths are its tournament weaknesses. Because in a tournament, you're you're just there's no missions or scenarios. You're no, just, just murdering each other. Yeah. So it's you get early points and then run away and and defense your way through. Hopefully, so. It's like I said. It's not somehow. It's got this great tournament following. It's not really a great tournament game by any classical definition. But you know the guys enjoy it, so that's all good. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the event we're running at uh, Warfare Weekend, we've got uh, 180 spots for people to play in, and we don't have all those spots aren't sold out, of course. But you know, it, it, it brought up some of the the things about the game about how some people are really big fanatics about it. Like as oh, soon absolutely. As, as soon as we got a um, the news that we could have a grand champion and we started talking about it and sending it out, we got like messages from everybody around the area going, how did you get that? How did you get that? Because it's a lot, and I don't want to say a lot bigger, but that's the best way to put it, a lot bigger than I thought it was. I knew oh, it yeah, was it, big. It really is. Yeah. It's just I mean, interesting. It, it's big, and they have a they have a diverse diverse group to play in because it is at its core a very simple game to play because you see some fighters to throw out there, and anyone can jump in and play. It doesn't require nearly the oh excuse me nearly the uh, amount of uh, setup or models bought or any of that that other games do. And you just need a, a three by three area, preferably with a mat down and. Mm-hmm. The stuff, the contents of the core set, and then enough fighters to play with, and you're set. I mean, and that way it is sort of a cunningly simple game. Well, I mean, and that's something I've been reading and looking at it, and it's let's get some ships and just beat the fuck out of each other. Pretty much Absolutely. what it is. Uh, and it, it's interesting because it requires no terrain on anybody's part but what you bring. Yeah. Um, it- you know, the terrain is all the cardboard cutouts from the core set. Correct. Doesn't mean that you can't make your own terrain. I mean, you could oh, do yeah. some 3D uh, stuff like anybody else, um, which would be interesting. In, in fact, I think even a company made 3D terrain that fit perfectly on all of the cardboard cutouts because the shape of them apparently is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, literally it was like, you know, when the new set came out and they had different cutouts, like, well, what do we use? Like, you have to use one complete set, whether it's set A or set B doesn't matter as much but you have to use one of those two sets so that is also kind of weird but it's definitely a weird game from when you get to the higher levels like at its core it's super simple super casual reasonably quick though it does have the potential to bog down a bit because i mean you can get there's those couple turns where you're jockeying positions getting shitty shots at each other where sometimes no one dies yeah it's a very, very dice-swingy game at that level. But, again, it, it can be a hoot. It's super casual at its core, so you don't really need a lot. And 
what I miss, and this will sound funny, is all the bigger box sets used to come with a scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in some way related to the box set or what have you. And uh, one uh, weekend, uh, El Marshall and I just sat down and played through everything before the Rebel Transport, I think it was, um, and played all those. And it was a really, really great time. Just throwing random stuff out and doing random things, actually having missions you had to accomplish where it wasn't just necessarily duke it out in a dogfight. Uh, the only reason we stopped at the Rebel Transport one is because we needed three Rebel Transports, which <laughs> was a bit fucking nuts, to be honest. Yeah. Now, going back to it, and we, we we talk about the tournament and stuff. Do you think that it would be, and I don't want to say feasible, but that there could be a award giving to best reprinted, re, re, repaints or custom painted models? And that could be something that would be, you know, not saying that it affects your scores or your wins of the tournament, but no, no, award no. those people that kind of, you know, put that little extra effort or make that little extra stuff. No, I think that's always an option. I, I like that. That's, uh, um, though, rather, I would actually, well, so you're a big tournament. You're yeah. looking for a big tournament level. So at a Warfare weekend standpoint, absolutely. I would just let people know that's going to happen. They'll bring their best repaint, and you can come by and judge them between rounds or whatever or during the rounds because they'll be there on the table. Um, make it maybe part of their squad makes it uh, more interesting too. It means they can't just you know get someone to repaint you know like a Millennium Falcon or a Ghost because the Ghost is huge. The thing would take paint really well. <laughs> just get them to uh, yeah, I think that could work. And on a smaller tournament level, for those of you who are thinking of that, you could always just have them. Um, if you brought a repaint, you get a ticket, uh, and then we randomly draw a ticket for a prize at the end of the tournament for each you know so. That would be cool. That's sort of like what we do for War Machine and Fully Painted Armies locally. Yeah, if you, if you if you do repaints, you get extra tickets for door prizes or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, be, well there's a prize, and someone who, who did that, when you randomly pick your ticket, you win. Yeah. You just don't make it a you don't make it like a contest so much as a hey, did you bring one? Oh, cool. Yeah, it's easy to go and you know, I mean, it's easy, but it, it's definitely possible to go and get you know someone with say you know Kathy's skill to paint up. Uh, you know, a model like that, and, and suddenly you... I mean, if it's a quality-wise, you're going to win. Oh, yeah. Because all those guys, they're not they're not painters, they're they're players, and they will pay just to get someone to customize their stuff because they really like that squad or really like that ship and want it to look a little different. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I mean, we know X-Wing has a huge tournament following and just a lot of, you know, game playing on it. What Do you see a lot of Armada stuff going on in other things? So I keep track a little better than you do, so I do see there's still a fair amount of Armada out there. The fan base is small, but it's very uh, sort of loyal. They really like like Armada. There's a lot in there. Um, it still gets solid tournament stats, just not X-Wing size, because X-Wing has is much casualer, easier, and, to be honest, cheaper. And it's not like you need to learn extra rules. It's a simpler game at its core, and that simplicity hands over to the, the tournament play. Armada actually has these wonderful things called scenarios and shit. You know, and, and victory conditions that give you extra victory points for performing them that aren't just kill each other. I mean, kill each other is always the core of it, but it's like, oh, if you do this, you get extra points, you know. Like, if you do damage to a ship with a bomber, you get extra points. Stuff like that. 
You know, it's a, it, it actually reminds me a little more of how Marvel Crisis Protocol is going to be, where you bring your own uh, objectives, and whoever has a stronger bid, uh, just like an X-Wing and Legion, having less points is your bid, mm-hmm. uh, has a choice of being A player or B player, of which I think one of them gets to choose the objectives, and then the other person gets the better uh, benefits from the objectives. But it all sort of affects it. So, like, if you've got three objectives that someone's terrible against, you make them choose. They're like, well, i got to choose something that's going to be shitty for me. Great. <laughs> and that's an extra level of complexity uh, in the game that most people don't want to think about, which I think is part of why it didn't take off like X-Wing did. Yeah. Plus, ships are more expensive. I mean, yep. at the end of the day, even if you're only fielding, you know, you're fielding more stands of models in this than you are in X-Wing by a long stretch. I mean, I mean, you you, I, play, you played both, right? Uh, yes. Have you played the new new edition of X Wing? Yeah, Bane and I, Bane and I brought some and, and tried it out, and Bowie's got some. Okay, not uh, a lot of it, but how do you compare the two? I know that there's big ships, it's, it's big ships and small ships, but how do you compare the two? If someone was saying what, I want to get into both of them, but tell me the good and bad, or give me some breakdown of what you know Armada is. Armada is a much more Involved thinking man's game. I mean, it, I'm going to break it down to the basic. You've got, you've got, you know, shoots and ladders versus chess almost. X wing is a lot of a lot of shoots and ladders because it's not as much about it's some on what you chose. But once your ship designs are down, there's only so many points to change your ships. There's only so many in the hyperspace trials because not everything's released for that. The hyperspace, uh, I think, is the format it's called. Mm-hmm. There's only so many things you can do. And there's some there you can next level that just like you could with a lot of games, but it's really uh, a lot easier of a game. There's no scenarios. Hey, what is going to kill other ships and keep my ships alive? That's all you have to worry about. Yeah. Um, maneuvering's a bit more important than that, but I'll asterisk that because it's actually really important in Armada too. But it's harder to do crazy maneuvers. So I would say it's a little more forgiving in X-Wing, but it's important in both games. And Armada is, there's so many options in the game. You know, you and I could bring the same ships, and they could end up fighting entirely different ways just because I brought different upgrades, and I have different, you know, I'm trying to do them differently than you are. And, and that's, to an extent, obviously, certain ships are only going to be used certain ways, you know. There are ships that are only going to sit there at long range and shoot. That's what they yeah. do. Yeah, their ships are going to get close range and shoot, but even more than that, though, there are, there is a lot of other stuff you can do on top of that to make them different. There's a lot more upgrades that make a lot more difference in that game than they are X Wing nowadays. And the fact that you have to choose not only your bid, which is important, you also have to choose your objectives. There's a lot more to the game. It is a lot more complex of a game. I would say on a scale of one to five, X Wing is about a two, and Armada is a four. So, so you, you, you just want to bring a bunch of ships and beat each other up and play shoot 'em up. You do kind of X Wing. I mean, I, I would do Armada, but that's a personal preference. I would say for the average person, they're probably going to look at X Wing. Gotcha. But if you wanted a good classic long it, it, well it's not even that long but if you want a more solid well-rounded game it i mean armada i think is a better it's i think it's a better game overall 
But to the casual player, that's not important. Gotcha. You know, X-Wing's still going to give you plenty of fun. It's a different kind of... It's dogfighting fun. Yeah. It's simple, smaller scale. I mean, aside from some bullshit way back when, I don't think you see too many fighters. Generally, I think I see four-ish. Yeah. I mean, you go on to the TIE Swarms of yesteryear where it was like, how many TIE Fighters did you bring? Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Armada, they're actually people balance between bringing lots of stuff and good stuff. So there's a lot more out there. So it, it is more of a... I would say it's more of the case of a more close to classic war game versus a casual war game. With X-Wing, of course, being the casual one. Yeah. Cool. I just, like it says, I know some people were wanting to pick it up, and I'm like, uh, I'll play the Galactic guys, because I just, I love the ships, and the ships are amazingly cool. Oh, they're, yeah, I mean, they're it's cool. They have enough factions now where a group, and I know... This shouldn't matter, and most people make it matter, and I want them to stop making it matter, but it matters. There's enough now that you can all have different factions in a reasonable-sized group. Yeah. I mean, I think it's seven factions now. Uh, that, 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 seven, yes. So, I mean, that's a lot of factions. Um, and not all of them have a ton of ships yet, but that's why you play the limited format, because that means you're stuck with ships that have been released. Which, and they release about one ship away for everyone, so that's cool. Okay. I was just kind of curious, because like I said, I got into it just because I knew some people were going and just wanted to get some stuff, and uh, I thought it'd be kind of interesting. And I I knew you could talk about the Armada, and I had no clue about Armada. I mean, I could talk about X-Wing too, because I mean, X-Wing is one of those games where I own it, I updated my stuff, it is not one I would ever get rid of. I would get rid of... I mean, I have... Technically, now I have three factions worth of stuff. Quasi four, because the Force Weekend starter set technically has two different factions than what I had originally. I mean, because originally I was buying some of the Imperial stuff, some of the Rebel stuff, because really it was like, oh, Wave came out, you got one ship, so uh, I need to buy, say... Let's say I'm going crazy... I need to buy three of the Rebel ship and three of the Imperial ship because there are smaller ships. You're still only spending 90 bucks. That's the cheapest hobby I know of. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest. But nowadays, obviously, there's a lot more ships out there. If you buy a ship for every faction, they're not all going to be cheap. They're all going to be $50 ships. So, I mean, you're looking at more like, you know, $200. Which is still not terrible. Magic players laugh at you. Yes, they would. But um, as a sort of secondary casual game, it's still, if you're only playing one faction, again, let's say you feel like you need three of each ship when it comes out, unless it's big. You're still only paying, you know, 45 to $60 a wave, and that's damn affordable. Yeah. Kristen uh, Design Kathy is painting Warcry models. I believe they're the Iron Golems faction. Yep. Which is a great segue to get into what we want to talk about with her, <laughs> since it's about that time anyway. Um, Kathy, lately you have been painting on stream and have uh, gotten quite a few people to watch you lately. I mean, they've uh, been jumping in your stream pretty uh, regularly. What is your like cool thing that you're doing? Like, are you like offering money to people, or you know what's going on? 
Wow. I, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm not doing giveaways. All I'm doing is painting four days a week. And I think that's the, that's the main thing. Once I started painting four days a week instead of just two days a week, mm-hmm. um, I, I like it better. I, I feel like I, I get more stuff done. It feels good. It's that sort of upward spiral of, you know, instead of the downward spiral of, oh, man, there's so much stuff I have to do. Uh, I, I actually feel good about my hobby. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting faster. I feel like I'm making improvements. And it, it, forty. it was at Adepticon when I was getting feedback from people who, I found out that there's people who actually watch my streams after the fact. You know, after they've been archived as videos. Mm-hmm. And and I was amazed. Because usually I get like maybe three, four people who I'm interacting with in the chat at that point. And, uh, you know, and I was like, okay, so that's, that's all that watches me, no big deal. But when I got to Adepticon, I got a lot of positive feedback. And I was like, well, maybe I need to... I think I'll I think I'll do this four days a week, and then I changed my time from in the morning to in the afternoon, so there was less there was less stress of me running around in the morning trying to get stuff done before I I started the stream. Um, now there's people who are the, who could see me in the morning, who can't see me in the afternoon. There's some British people who used to watch me in the morning, but you know when it's when it's 3 p.m. here it's you know like 10 p.m. there or something like that or 11 and and there I have one guy from the Netherlands who's he's like an insomniac or something and and he comes on and and he'll hang out which is cool hey Mr. Snowyak if you're out there mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean well, stream for a long time which is good and with four days it gives them a sense of consistency because they can come in and really see the progress that's a key thing is is i'm i'm training myself and i'm i'm training you know the the people who come hang out with me in the chat that that it's every every tuesday wednesday thursday friday it's 3 p.m central and so they know. They just know. And, you know, if they're smart, they give a follow and they tick the bell because that way they'll get notifications every time they go live. Yeah. Which which is a huge help. And I've actually been watching other people's streams and I think that's another key thing is to is to just see what other people are doing. Yeah. You know, it it gives you good ideas. It helps you to see that not every... I, I'm going to call it like a, a stream culture. Like each person has their own culture that develops in their chat. You know, the different people that are there, the way they interact with each other, the way you interact with them. It's it's fun. I like, I have days where I'm like, I'm not going to get that much painting done because I'm going to be busy talking to 
all the people in the chat, but I'd rather have a day like that, to be honest, than a day where there's no one there, and I'm just, I keep it in mind that there's people that are, that are going to watch it after the fact, so I want to, you know, keep talking while I'm going, explaining what I'm doing, uh, those are probably... Those are probably the better ones for people who are watching after the fact than ones where I'm just, you know, giggling inanely at something that someone in the chat wrote. <laughs> Fair. Um, you have a lot more, uh, a lot more success than I did with doing my hobby streaks on Facebook. Um, Gonzo tells me what you will watch it afterwards, but live I get almost no one, which is fine. I mean, I'm not doing it. I mean, I'm doing it. For them also, but I'm mostly doing it for me. Yeah. And not doing it right now because I'm pretty sure Assembly's going to be boring as spit to watch. Uh, <laughs> on, you know, so, uh, you know, I wonder about that because I've seen other people uh, do Assembly and stuff. And they're like, you know, this is part of the hobby and it's part of the hobby that has to be done. Everybody has to do it. And, and they'll do it on screen and people like it because you can learn tips and tricks from watching somebody else assemble <laughs> stuff too and you can also realize that they're gonna yeah you're not the only person that makes these same crazy mistakes too <laughs> like gluing four parts of a model a to each finger and we curse for 15 minutes i try and find a foot that went flying and i still have not found a week later Yes, things like that. Lower went. It is gone now. It's because we've all done that. Jim and I have done that. There's, <laughs> There was something that Jim dropped on the floor before Adepticon, and we didn't find the gun that broke off of it until a week later. I finally found it on the floor in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> there was a piece I dropped at my old place. But I did not find out when I moved. It still did not reappear. <laughs> I'm pretty certain it flows somewhere, and then the rats got it and destroyed it, and it doesn't matter anymore. I got a replacement, but it was like, where did this go? <laughs> like the carpet into, into the warp. Tan. Into the warp. It's tan. You should see gray parts with reasonable ease when I'm shining 79 lights on it. That's perils of the warp, my friend. Yeah, well, it pisses me off, and then I gotta go, well, I mean, I guess that's actually good content at the end, when you stop looking, get back out, and like, alright, now I'm gonna show you how I find a part to replace. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I had to do that recently. Miniature yeah. Market, or eBay, or oh, huh. all yeah. that. Yeah, I'm an old school gamer. I grabbed my bits, and I found something in what I have. Oh, well, you could be like me, where, where my awesome chain part on this model uh, was so flimsy because GW doesn't seem to realize that tiny scale models can't have such flimsy plastic bits. Oh, right, yeah. right out of the box, the thing was broken. And so this is my paperclip solution. Oh. It is in the same shape as what the uh, as what the if the chain was supposed to be, does it look as cool as the chain? No, but this shit's never going to break. And it's not just kind of, it's not bending when I touch it either. Not like, 
Yes. This other guy here, this guy, every time I touch it with the paintbrush. Man, how did my camera get all messed up? It, it ducks away. Every time I touch it, it just bounces away. So I have to actually take my other hand and hold the chain steady while I'm painting it. Not yeah. looking forward to that. So, so here's the guy that I'm worried about here. Uh, get that out of the way a little bit. You know, with this grappling hook, it's much the same thing. It's This is not very, I mean, luckily it's attached to part of his hand, and then they try to divot where the hand where it attaches, but still, I'm worried about this guy, and he's a very cool guy. I don't want him to break. So, yeah, I turned on my paint cam just for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, technology, we have it. Let's use it, right? Oh, Crimson says, also depends on your personality and stream presence. I mean, when I watch painting streams on Twitch, I'm looking at the screen maybe 1% of the time because I'm usually painting my own stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's definitely the case. There's plenty of people that are painting while they're watching. And <laughs> yep. Snowyak was folding laundry to my stream. He's like, you're very good to fold laundry to. So that's, you know, something. Oh, why is my picture being stupid now? There you go. And then Crimson says, also, I once saw a streamer spill a whole pot of melon oil on stream. Oh, I had the yeah. thing where uh, I had this. This very bottle, in fact, of Secret Weapon Orange Rust. The nozzle had dried into the cap. And so when I went to put my few drops out on the palette I didn't realize that the nozzle <laughs> wasn't on it and more than just a few drops came out on my palette and you painted everything rust that day yes I did <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling I've actually had uh, one of the Vallejo paints the, the nozzle got uh, clogged and I didn't realize it and at the point where I was about to give up I squeezed a little too hard and the oh, yeah. front part came out and I had white paint every fucking oh, like me. well we have all been there. Oh, yeah. That's, that's every, that's universal. That's like the first thing that happens when you use a nozzle bottle. And as, as a friend of mine found out at ReaperCon, sadly, Oof. much, much to her chagrin. And uh, that's why you don't keep painted models near your work area if you can help it, because that shit might happen. And you don't uh, want it to happen to your painted models. So that, that did, in fact, happen. Yeah. Oh. That happened to Jim's models. Oh, yeah. The worst. That was, it was an unfortunate It's like thing. the same feeling when someone, when someone spills or knocks over a tray of painted models. You're like, no. <laughs> I see it happen at a store. I'm like, no, shit. All right. Everything goes in slow motion. Everybody's like, what? I, I, I was like, I, catch it. I didn't catch it. That's like when... Uh, when the uh, when the battle bunker had expanded, they put in these these new tables, and they weren't the same usual sturdy tables that they had. They were they were badly put together, and so Jim was playing in a fantasy tournament with his lizard men, where you know the ones where he scratch sculpted a bunch of stuff, and it won the armies on parade and everything, and. The guy on the other side, you know, Jim and him are they're, they're like, you can't, you can't lean on the edge of the table. You can't sit on a chair and put your elbows up and lean into the table. But he did. Ah, <laughs> uh, I know what happened. Cause yeah. 
guy who worked at the Games Workshop named Jimmy. He said that was his tactic to win unwinnable games at uh, Grand Tournaments. He's like, I just slowly nudge the table over towards my opponent with the uh, with my stomach, and then when he puts his hands down, I give it a little push on my end, and flips up, and I go, but dude, you were doing so well. I'm like, that's a terrible tactic when you're a horrible human being. It is, especially when you're playing against somebody who scratch sculpted most of their golden demon winning, and and you know, <laughs> that's our, our what is it? What is it? Army Town Parade. Yeah. Yeah, winning uh, army on the table playing against yours. And you're like, you did what they told you not to do, and dude, I mean, respectfully, fuck you. I'm killing you. Well, I'm not killing you. Maybe one of those, uh, you know, last Boy Scout head or gut moments. I think, I think nobody would have said anything, but you know, this poor guy. It, he he at least wasn't doing it intentionally, and he felt so bad. It's just, and it's somebody we knew, and uh, that's like when somebody you knew hits your car. You're like, hey, I, all right, fine, whatever. Let's just get it fixed. Yeah, it's it was sad, but you know what? Things were. Not as bad as they could have been. Um, the things that did break were not too difficult to repair. You're a so, completely off video camera, by the way. I I know what it's <laughs> Skype. So that's you uh, know when I'm streaming, I have control over my freaking settings and everything. Here I'm painting in the exact same position with my camera in the exact same position. Oh. And I can see it fine. I just can't see it on the screen. So, uh, hashtag yeah. Blame so, Gonzo. actually, it's Gonzo. Yep. Nope. Hashtag Blame Gonzo. Yep. <laughs> but I'll be honest. that uh, Having done a little bit myself, it is really not easy to keep your stuff in stream. It's another reason why I'm not right now. is because I will lean back towards myself with a model to, to stabilize it well. You know, I can, you know, yeah. me, I can have my arms against my side. I can have really good stability, but you can't see a goddamn thing. Yeah, that was one That's of the things weird. I wanted to bring up about streaming. It's not just point a camera, put a model, and go. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, if it was, we would all do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that, that's, what, that's what someone told me. It was like, all you're doing is painting on stream. That's just, you know, you have a camera and you're there. I'm like, mm, no. Nine oh. times out of ten, it looks like it's looking right now because, you know, or, or it's the crotch shot oh. and nothing else. Oh, but my camera it, the thing is, you, you have to figure out what your natural painting position is. Like mine is, my elbows are by my side. I'm wearing a visor, so the thing is like, I don't know, maybe eight inches from my face. And and I have to position my camera, you know, I hold the thing like I'm going to paint it. And then I position my camera, and I adjust my settings... And everything is fine. Well, I can't do that with this because for some reason it's, yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's... So this is Skype, but this is not me on Streamlabs running my own stream. So it's not, it's not going to look the same. But, but it's also to go this that even if you were doing this on your own stream, it isn't just you pointing the camera at your model and you going because you have a lot of other things you have to set up beforehand, like all the paints that you're going to use, the models you're going to use, 
the palette, you know, type thing. Oh, even tonight I was, I was like, well, I'm going to have to, because after Friday I take my wet palette apart and let it dry out and stuff. And, uh, I had to put that back together and get a fresh piece of palette paper and make sure all of that stuff was here. I had to make sure that I had the black primer because I knew I was going to prime. I had to make sure all my guys were, you know, ready because I knew these were the guys that I wanted to be working on. I At this point, I have most of the stuff right next to me that I need, but also learning how to use the stream software, which honestly, I have to say, Gonzo still uh, helps me with that because he's the one who's you know, done the most research on how to use it and everything, and I'm just, like, using his settings, I think, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. And then every time that I try to, to set something up, it goes horribly wrong. Well, that's not good. But I have, dis- yeah, I have discovered by watching other people that I am not the only person that unexplained things happen to in their chat. Weird technical difficulties. No, no. It happens to they, everybody. They happen to everyone. I'm totally painting armpit hair in this guy's armpit, by the way. just I'm going to try and hold this up here so you can see this. Guy's got quite the naked armpit here. And, yeah, I'm just going to paint some hair in there because it seems like... <laughs> unnatural not to have armpit hair. Meal. I don't think that's fixable. What? My, uh, my, uh, painting can broke. Your painting can broke? Broke? I'm gonna talk to Razor because this is kind of bullshit. Like, how did it break? Well, you see this piece? Yep. Yeah. That's supposed to go right here. Now it just sort of like dangly. Oh. I mean, it was a cool feature of the camera, but uh, I think uh, the old tried and true Logitech probably better. But Razer is generally good customer service, so I will talk to them and see what they say. Yeah. Because I haven't had it that long. I can find it on Amazon, but. Yeah. But hey, that's slightly disappointing, isn't it? Welcome to Streaming 101. Yeah, wait, welcome to Stream 1. Get a Logitech camera. Don't get one of these other... I mean, this was a seemed like a cool camera, but uh, can't be if it, fucks up, if it breaks like that, huh? Yeah, that's weird. What was the feature? What was it supposed to do? Well, it, it actually rotates on multiple things. So, sorry. Um, it rotates. Or is it, it, uh, it moves here and also moves here. So you have a lot of motion. But this part broke because it's just cheap plastic holding it there. Oh. It's not like threaded all the way through. It's actually you can separate it. So that is a problem. Huh. Well. All I can do is see what they say, right? Yep. Maybe they'll I'm sure they'll fix it. They'll, 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 yeah. They'll I, mean, I, I, I have I mean, it's the reason I buy it, bought it, took a chance on something from a company like Razor because they're a good company. So yeah. If you look at that, the company you buy from, you should make sure it's a uh, 
a good quality company because uh, stuff happens and you want to or get the Amazon cheapo uh, replacement plan. Replacement plan, but I don't always do that because it is still money and generally it should be covered. But in any case, there's something you look at, you know. The gear for streaming is uh, interesting. There's a lot of things out there that seem like they might be good, but maybe they aren't. Well, it also depends on what you plan on doing with your stream, too. If a lot of people are... Like, Kathy doesn't do giveaways or, you know, channel rewards besides our normal, you know, points and stuff. But the uh, there's things that help with that. And Kathy just wants to paint and chat and have a good time and social, you know. Yep. Relax paint stream is what they call it. I mean, is that what they call it? Because yeah. I didn't know that that they call it anything. Yes, there is because there's a lot of people that are like, we're doing giveaways for everything that comes out, and oh, I've seen that. Yeah, and you're just like, which you know that's fine, like and yeah. you know, paint that's and chill not my cup of tea. But if other people want to do, yeah, you know, give stuff away, they've got the sponsors. They like to, you know. And they're entertaining, too. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, that's just not, you know, who or what you are. You just want to paint and chill with your people and your friends and talk about uh -huh. weird shit and get weird shit done. Yes. We, we definitely talk about weird shit. I know you mentioned that quite a few times. They're like, I didn't get much painting done because we talked about XYZ so much and I was laughing too hard. <laughs> yep. Yeah, which is not a... a, a huge deal i guess you could say um but i mean I, it was interesting because somebody somebody had mentioned to me this week that you know streaming and painting you're just watching someone paint and all they're doing is just getting their models and their painting and i'm like yes and no there's got there's a lot more to do it and you can you can tell because there's a lot more to streaming than just pointing a camera and going i'm also talking about what i'm doing while i'm painting generally which is actually a chore into itself because... Oh, talking about something and doing art is very hard. And it, <laughs> took me, it took me some time to, to kind of figure out how to do that. And I probably, uh, probably sound all spacey when I'm doing it because I've got, you know, it's, it's that whole left brain, right brain thing. And my left brain wants to just be absorbed in, you know... All of the visual stuff, and yeah, the process, and my right brain's trying to, or, you know, which, whichever half it, it does it, is one's trying to be analytical and try and, and figure out how to explain what I'm doing, you know, while I'm doing it, and, well, and that, can, uh, that can be a challenge. Let's talk about something else, because, I mean, we only, we only got a little bit of time, but this is something that you brought up to me. Back when I first, we, we actually wanted you to be on the podcast because you were worried about the social anxiety of doing it, of streaming, because you were like, well, I don't know if I'm going to talk very well or people are going to understand me or people are going to like me um, because you were, you were nervous about that. And I was like, you're going to do great. You're going to do fine. Do you think your social anxiety, I guess way to put it, has, do you think that's lessened now that you've been doing it a lot more? Oh, it has. For sure it has. Yeah. Uh, do I think that this means that I would be good at making tutorial videos, which was the other thing that, that we originally started <laughs> that I talked about, and that was just too 
Like some people are good at being instructors. They're good at coming up with a lesson plan. They're good at, you know, figuring out their process and articulating it in, you know, one one little tidbit, you know, one one sound bite or something and, and I'm just not I'm not that way. I just I don't think that way and I feel like people wouldn't wouldn't necessarily take away as much as they should. Yeah, I mean cause... But when I'm streaming I'm just talking about it while I'm doing it. It's it's all you know, just kinda free associating my process as I go. And I feel like it's more successful uh, when I do it that way. And But it's different for everybody. I think there's probably people who will be more comfortable just making tutorial videos instead of streaming. Yeah. I mean, because really, your, your episodes are paint and chill. Hey, watch me paint. I'll talk to you some techniques. Oh, crack a funny joke. Let's have a good time hanging out type thing. And yours is your stream is not about the whole giveaways or I'm going to teach you the top secret technique that only the pros know. This is no, you know what? Move. I'm I'm totally going to do that, but that's not how I'm going to say it. <laughs> I will be dropping the the secret pro techniques, but it it's just going to be you know accidentally. <laughs> like. Whoops, I spilled the paint right here. That's a pro technique that uh, that people want to tell you about all the time. Watch me as I as I take you through how to clean up this mess I just made. <laughs> <laughs> so Cuz that's that's something that I think a lot of people if if they make a mistake, they'll they'll just automatically feel like they failed and they need to strip their model and start over. Mm. And and there, there's ways to fix things, you know, where it's not the end of the world if you screw something up or if you want to change your color scheme, like if you want to change the color scheme of the, the trousers on all your guys, you don't need to strip them, you know, you can, you can fix these things and it's not, does it take time? Well, sure, but so does stripping models take time. And they're never as good. Yeah. So, so it's it's you know things like that that you can do live where you're making a mistake and now you got to fix your mistake. <laughs> sometimes it sometimes it works to your advantage and you get that happy accident and sometimes it's frustrating and people get to see you work out the you know how to fix it. I'm I'm told that that can be helpful. Happy little mistakes. Yeah, but now Facebook's showing me razor ads. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Facebook. Thank you, Facebook. No, thank you. Someone like listening to me. I just want to say that I really like these Warcry as much as I was whiny about how fiddly their, you know, some of the details are on them. They really are fun models. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're really cool looking. One of the guys, uh, one of the store owner had some opened up. Uh, and I was looking at the the sprues and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, I know what Kathy means now when this stuff is like this." But I was like, "They look cool." Oh yeah. So. Oh, so did you have other questions? 
No, that was, I mean. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure before we go off, you know, talking about something else. No, it was just, it was just, uh, I, I had someone saying that, you know, they were like, well, streamers, you know, the paint streamers, all they do is they get their camera pointed at there and that's about it. And I'm like, well, there's a lot more to it than that, especially the technical side. And it's not just someone painting and that's it. There's, you know, the techniques and the talking and, you know, all that stuff. It, it's not as easy as people think because I've known plenty of people. I know at least three people personally that said, I'm going to be a professional streamer and paint miniatures online as a commission painter. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll also paint in any way I can. And they're gone in like two months or less. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like. Jim always will will tell people that you know you, he'll tell them they're, when they're thinking about being a commission painter, just how hard it is, just how much other stuff that is not painting that you have to do in order to make it work. It's not just painting miniatures and and getting people at the local game store to you know to get commissions from them. Yeah. That's not going to sustain you. By the way, and the market is pretty pretty tight because you got to get your name out there, and you got to do you got to be good because even if you if you do like one bad model, everybody knows, and then everybody's like, "Well, I wouldn't do something from him because it, well, look what what he did for me," type thing. So well. I, early on, we were working for somebody. We were doing stuff for this guy, and he had three different levels of quality that he wanted. And we're just morphing this into a, a, a professional painter, a commission painter kind of thing here. So this guy uh, had his three different levels of quality, and one was just like basically, you know, base coats and done. And one was, like, in the middle, and the other one was our highest quality. Mm -hmm. And, but we discovered that even, you know, he just expected everything to be the higher quality. <laughs> uh, no. He's like, well, but doesn't, shouldn't that have a little more, but, and we're like, well, but you said... You know, you just wanted base colors on this one. It was the middle quality that was was more like, you know, just above tabletop maybe. Mm -hmm. or Which, that's really amorphous. It's very vague. Yeah. And he really wanted to take us for a ride on that one. And so we just decided, you know, we, we, we ended up just sending a bunch of his stuff back unpainted and said, you know what? We're just going to paint one quality from now on, and that's the best quality that we can do. <laughs> and that's it. So now we don't have to worry about, you know, different levels of quality and whether one thing is, you know, higher than tabletop or they're all higher than tabletop. It's just, that's what we strive for. But it's hard. It's hard. You have to, you have to learn how to deal with uh, shipping surfaces. Oh my gosh! Yes. You have to learn how to pack things, 
in such a way that they will not break by the time they get to another country. Uh, you have the joy of learning how to fill out customs forms. Um, I don't know that from work, but I mean... Well, sure, sure. Some people aren't lucky like you are. <laughs> it's really lucky, but... Uh... <laughs> no, that, that's, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, no. There's a lot that goes into it. There really is. That has nothing to do with the painting. And then there's the whole, you know, Kathy is obsessive about filing mold lines, so it takes her 80 times longer than it takes Jim to <laughs> prep models, even though he files the mold lines just fine. <laughs> so I'm like, why don't I just let you prep all my stuff? Cause Teamwork makes the dream work. Because holy hell, it took me forever to... To file mold lines and assemble these eight guys, and the night before, Jim had like done all of the beasts. Uh, what do you call them? The whatever beasts, you know, the other faction that comes in the box set. Oh, yeah. the and and he did all those random monsters. You know, while he was just in a hangout, in a hobby hangout with some people for a few hours. Like it took me it took me like three hours to just get all eight of these guys assembled. Look, Kathy, I I hobbied the table with Dave Taylor and everything felt inadequate because he did everything faster than me, so I feel you. <laughs> You're like I Oh look how I'm going Oh, yeah, Dave, you painted an entire army. I got like a model done, thanks. That's awesome. Oh, it's like whenever Jim was painting during my twenty four hour stream. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is taking forever. There's like one backpack, and he's got like a Golden Demon Award running model straight from, <laughs> you know, Prime to Golden Demon Standard by the time I get my backpack done. And I'm like, damn it, Jim. Uh, I had one of his, uh, I had one of his work on the workbench, uh, live things where, I mean, it wasn't live anymore because he does them in the middle of the night. So I just had it on in the morning while I was, uh, playing Civ. And I glance over there, and it's just this primed car. And then I glance over there again, and the entire thing is blue with shading. And it was not even... It was like a half an hour, I'm sure of it. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. That's how I feel when I see most people, most real painters paint. I'm like, I'm... You can look at my progress on a hobby streak. And everyone's like, look at all this stuff I got done. I'm like, I have models completed. I'm calling that a victory. <laughs> I haven't put together... I've painted models. I played with painted models on Friday, thank you. Not all of them, but a majority of them. In any case, should we get to movies and media? Is it that over? time? It is. Okay. It is media section. Um, today, I have uh, one, two, three, four, five things to talk about. Do you actually work during the week? Yes, I do. I don't sleep. Ask anybody. I don't sleep. Oh, well, that oh you're one of those. Yeah. yeah. I actually sleep. So That's, I have yeah. two and a note on something. So, <laughs> and one of them is a series finale on one of mine. Ooh. So I've got a bunch of different stuff. Kathy, what do you have? 
I don't have anything. <laughs> Bad ask. All right, so I'll go with one of mine. Um, and let's go with one that new season started. And the new season, um, I was going to give it a shot for the second season. Um, because we had talked about it, and I gave it some pretty bad ratings. Uh, it had quite a few space herpes for me. Um, and I just didn't care for it. But I'm on like, okay, there was a couple of ha-ha-hee-hee moments. Say it that way. But it That's wasn't good. for me. <laughs> um, and that is Disenchanted Season 2 has started. Okay. Uh, Disenchanted Season 2 has started up. I liked the first season of that. I enjoyed it. I would say the Gonzo quickly grew disenchanted with it. Yes. Oh, very much. Oh, oh. Um, and so I decided I would watch you know, this season again. Give it another shot. Maybe they change up. Maybe, you know, it's a little bit more interesting. Maybe it's uh, funnier than what it's supposed to be. Based and on your results here. It's not. Yeah, I, I had a feeling based on what you were saying, that was what you were going to say. It's, it's not. I, I, I went three episodes in and did not crack a smile or laugh or do anything the entire time. So I will say, because I've been accused of being stodgy fucker sometimes, perhaps you were not in the right mood for it? No, I was. I, I was good and solid for it. Okay. Um, I guess... What said when I said I didn't like Anchorman. Yeah. Um, I, 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 was, I was prepared for it. I was like, oh, yeah, hopefully this will be much better, because I just got done watching uh, some stuff, was in a good mood. So it wasn't like I was, you know, stalled face, you know, rough or had a bad night or whatever. Um, but it just isn't funny. I liked it, and I thought it was funny, and I laughed my ass off. So, well, take that how you want, Gonzo and I clearly have different different ways of appreciating that TV series. We get subjective. I also think that I don't care too much for, like, Futurama, and that stuff was never really funny to me, so I think that's also that it's oh, okay. So it's oh. it's it's you. It's a problem. It's you. He's got no sense of humor. Exactly. <laughs> I've got it. It's just I, there wasn't any really good jokes. Um, season one wasn't great for me, but there was still some funny parts and stuff. But it's like there's just not anything on this one for me. I'm just like, eh, okay. And it doesn't feel like they're trying to be funny either. That's what's weird to me. It doesn't feel like... Now, there's some things that are happening in it, and I'm like, oh, this is supposed to be funny. It's not. There, yeah, I'll agree that there are some things that are, like, blatantly supposed to be... Like, you like you know that they set it up to, to try and be funny, but it's just a groaner. Yeah. But there are other parts of it where they do something a little more clever, and I genuinely found those parts to be uh, very funny. But it's not the ha-ha, jokey, you know, gags. It's 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 a little bit more of the dry kind of humor that I that I like. Sort of subtle subtle witticisms that are are kind of thrown in there, you know, in addition to the the, the gags that so are just in like it. Like they're an obvious you know, grab for laughs that that yeah. fail. But those parts of it are awful. Like, 
you know, when they try and do that humor that's supposed to appeal to the masses, it's okay. not that good. But but the other parts when they're when they just have the subtle stuff going on is is actually way more. I, I appreciate that way more. I, I I tried, I really did, and I was like, okay, so this stuff is gonna happen, but it's like like I said, it's it reminds me of like Futurama in a fantasy setting, with even worse writing. See, I like Futurama too, it's though. Like, I, I, I'm not. I, I was never a big Futurama fan, but I've seen a few episodes. Where I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny. But you can tell that they're maybe they're just trying too hard this season or whatever. But I was not impressed with what I saw in three well, episodes. Well, they're being funny, and they're going to try really hard. Yeah. Well, I'll. Uh, I mean, I'll be watching the second season, so I'll have my take on that as well. You know, soon. Soon. <laughs> Soon. I did just saw yesterday. I was like, Jim goes, they're doing uh they've got a second season out for that. I'm like, really? Yeah. I was not impressed. I will remove it from my queue. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not going to give it a rating because I didn't watch the entire season. But it's not definitely not me. And it is not something I will continue to watch. I kind of hated every minute of it. I was like, this is bad. <laughs> this is really bad. Not Gonzo's cup of tea. No. So it's a no-go for me on watching Disenchanted. Um, the humor is not there. The things that they try to be humoristic, I'm just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, I was just like, nope, not good. So, so on a scale battle. of Casablanca to Ready Player One, it's closer to Ready Player One? I think it actually beats Ready Player One. Oh, that's strong words from Gonzo. <laughs> Um, but I definitely are not in it at all. So, John, what's one, uh, what's yours? So my first one was last night after playing some Transformers with the guys and, uh, eating a little dinner, uh, we're hanging out, waiting for the B-Red to get back with our milkshakes and chicken nuggets and such. Uh, I decided to throw something on and I'm like, uh, let me just, uh, see what's on Amazon Prime and, uh, they got Mission Impossible 3. So I'm like, I really want to see two. That's not free, but hey, I haven't seen three in a while, so let's watch that again. And man, I, I forgot just how solid a movie three is. Yeah, it's a uh, very enjoyable. Uh, Tom Cruise is, you know, at the top of his game like he is in every one of these movies. Uh, but it's definitely, you know, after two was sort of an action romp, uh, which I swear I will review as soon as I find it for a reasonable amount of money. Or someone finds me an HD DVD player to play, the copy I own. <laughs> Don't judge me. It was cheap. Oh. I didn't realize. But I got the soundtrack, too, so it was actually technically still worth the money. In any case, um, it's still, you know, Tom Cruise plays Ethan Hunt, but this time he's got a girl, and he's engaged, and he's just training agents now. But one of his agents gets captured, and he's got to go and get her out. Um, and it's sort of a... It's sort of a fun spy movie. I mean, I don't want to say it's necessarily fun, but it's an enjoyable spy movie. It's got solid action. Um, really, really inventive uh, sort of twists here or there. You don't see too many of them coming. Um, it is sort of told out of order, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the bad guy is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. He plays him very well because Philip Seymour Hoffman was a great talent that unfortunately is gone too early. Cheers, Dan. But 
very enjoyable. I mean, Tom Cruise knows what he's doing this movie. He gets... They get a lot of people back for him. Not necessarily everyone. Um, but, you know, Ving Rhames is back. They added Simon Pegg this time. Um, they don't ever get ahead of the IMF back. So I'll be honest, I don't ever want to be the head of the Impossible Mission Forces. That motherfucker changes every movie. <laughs> I mean, every movie, someone different up in the higher chair. I think that's probably not a position I want. Uh, until later movies, but then that guy gets killed on screen. So uh, maybe not the position for me. But this was sort of like the beginning of them coming back from people, you know, people didn't necessarily like to as much. I enjoy it because it's a John Woo action flick. He always has problems in the U.S. because they just don't let him perform his craft. You know, there's always much more studio involvement, producers getting involved, changes a bit of what he wants to do. But it sort of was a down point for the series, and then 3 was back up. J.J. Abrams came on board, um, and it's funny to say this. This is a pretty solid movie. Uh, you know, maybe one and a half, two uh, space herpes. And the next three movies are all just plain better. Which shocks the crap out of me. And, uh, you know, hard question is, what is the better action series? Is this or The Fast and the Furious? Which I've been watching all of also. I'm <laughs> to seven. Reviews on the other podcast, because... I got to give everyone something special, <laughs> but I'm like not really sure which one's the better, better, you know, movie series. I mean, the Fast and Furious literally gets anyone they want back. Yeah, you know, like oh hey, you were in the first movie for twelve seconds. Hey, bam, you're back in the uh, seventh huh. movie for twelve more seconds. Merry Christmas. Here's your paycheck. I'll spend it all in one place. But they get a lot of people back, and it's just enjoyable how this movie, how the series has evolved. Because the first three movies I love because they're all kind of a different subgenre of spy movie. You have the classic spy movie, not a lot of violence, anything like that. Then you have the entirely other end with the John Woo one where it's violent and doves and motorcycles and explosions and gunfights. And then you have uh, Mission Impossible 3 that's more in the middle. And it sort of sets the tone for the next three movies that are all much more in the middle. Um, again, somehow all just better and each one I think pretty much better than the one before it which is fucking shocking to do I don't know how you do that shit but they're doing it so Amazon Prime it's free, give it another watch because okay. I enjoy the crap out of these movies and it's good, Tom Cruise sells it as he always does, he always gets a good cast and um I like also when they don't tell you what the MacGuffin does. Spoiler, they don't tell you what the MacGuffin... Spoiler, this movie's fucking old as hell. I love when they don't have to tell you what the MacGuffin does. What does it do? No one knows. I mean, they have a really good moment for uh, Benji, who is... Uh, what's his name? I said his name earlier. The British guy. No. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg's yeah. character, where he assumes everything is what he calls the anti-god, where sometimes it's going to kill tons of people and blah, 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 blah. But he's not really sure what the what this one, the rabbit's foot, does. But I love you don't need to know what the MacGuffin does. And another great scene, just throwing a little tiny spoiler, is he has a good MacGuffin. There's this big lead up to it, but then they don't show like the him getting it. It just cuts to everyone waiting and then him showing up again. And it's very cool because it's a great subversion of your expectation. You're expecting this whole big action scene and blah blah blah, and it doesn't. It it, it 
totally subverts your expectations, and it's awesome like that. So, check it out, like I said, one and a half to two space herpes, probably closer to one and a half, which should tell you the quality of the next three entries. And I, like, honestly, I'm looking forward to getting the second one also, the third one's free right now, and maybe just reviewing all of these in order. Maybe not, maybe not that going to punishment, but they're all very good, uh, enjoy the crap out of it. It is one of the modern classics for, you know, sort of action spy movies series. It's pretty amazing, but it's a Tom Cruise series, and it's Mission Impossible. Got up? Uh, my next one is uh, another. It's a Netflix TV, uh, Netflix movie called Tall Girl. Um, I fully expected what I was going to go in and get, uh, or, or, or what I was expecting was a teen rom com uh, about a girl that's super super tall and has to deal with the trials and tribulation of being a tall girl in high school. Okay, I get it. Uh, I knew a really tall girl in high school and stuff, and, you know, she would talk to me about all that stuff. So, you know, I was like, whatever. Uh, and so I did a little research on, you know, who was in it, you know, looking at, the, you know, the actors and actresses and such. And there's actually a controversy about this movie uh, about being a tall girl. There was a lot of people that shit all over this movie. And I am going to also. Um, because this movie sucked. <laughs> Wow. I mean, this movie yeah. sucks. Um, you know, I, I'm used to teen high school dramas and stuff, but all of this was just all over the place. Um, she's a teen, she's a tall girl. She has a guy that's like all, you know, into her and has been since the age of like five, uh, has liked her. Uh, all the tropes, every single trope is in this. Before there, she was tall, you know. Yeah. Also, does that actually happen in the real world? What? Being but, into girls, like, since you were five? Because I don't even talk to anyone that's not related to me that I knew when I was five. Yeah. Um, then this mysterious um, guy from the Netherlands or whatever comes in, and he's, you know, super, super tall and gorgeous, and everybody loves him, and he's the center of attention but he learns a life lesson about himself and a life lesson with the girl. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, you're just like, wow. holy shit. Did they just drag every trope and jump every shark? So let me ask you this. When did the cliche police pull you over and tell you to stop this movie? Uh, it told me uh, probably about the first 30 minutes, but I went and watched it anyway because it's only about an hour and a half or so, hour and 40. Um, it was bad. Because you really did have insomnia. Uh, I, I, I don't guys. Um, but it was it was bad. I was hoping for, you know, a, a good, you know, teen little high school drama, which I, I love those shows. I love, you know, teen high school stuff. Uh, it, it's fun and interesting. But it was just, they took every trope, every shark, and they jumped. They, they didn't jump over the shark. They jumped over oceans of sharks. Um, it was so bad. Did you say they jumped over Sharknados? Yes. Plenty of Sharknados. Um, but it, it, it didn't even flow right. The characters were very bland and boring. Um, plot completely predictable. Um, it, it just, you know, you're just like, really? This is really, really bad. So, no redeeming features. Wow. No, I was really... It, On it a scale like, of Atlantic Rim to Casablanca? It, it, the only thing, the only thing that, uh, Atlantic Rim 
beats it is because there's no special effects. So well, Atlantic Rim I beats mean, it over, you know, on that. To be honest, there's no special effects in Atlantic Rim either. <laughs> True. It, it's more like, you know, a guy with um, Microsoft Paint working um, <laughs> in Atlantic Rim. Oh, but no. Atlantic Rim actually actively insults you. Yeah. I mean, okay, so just to give you an idea of how bad, uh, Rotten Tomato gives it a 29%. IMDb a 5.5. You know, it's just it's just really oh, bad. IMDb, there's a lot of movies I love that are 5.5 yeah. or so. But, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, you, you're expecting, you know, a life lesson teen high school drama about what it's like to be, you know, the tall girl and picked on. <laughs> but it's like, uh, right off the bat, it's all the crap. That you stop you there. Every movie. When does that sound interesting? I'm like, oh, I'm a tall girl. It's terrible. Like, well, you'd be okay. Like, Jesus Christ. That's not even like a. That's, that's not even sound like the lofty, you know, heights of Breakfast Club where they're all correct. the super stereotypes. And so would my sister, my sister is a tall girl, and it wasn't. I mean, she had just the same drama that every single other person in high school had. Mm-hmm. Not exactly the same, but conflated to the same self-importance. I mean, oh my god, you mean like cliques and people are assholes and the standard high school stuff? And people get bullied and yeah, all the things that always happen to pretty everybody. much everybody. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, fair. So, uh, skip that shit, apparently. Uh, what were we going to give it for a rating? How many space herpes do tall uh, girls get? About four and a half. Uh, we won't get five because Atlantic Rim saves that one. Um, for them, but yeah, oh, it's like her, he saved another movie from five space. Wow. Um, but yeah, it, it's just bad. Don't even just, if you got it on your queue, just skip it go to something else. It's not worth it. Um, did you have, how many do you have left, John? Well, I have uh, one and a note that'll be taken care of during the one. So okay. uh... let, let me go with, uh, another one. Um, because we're, we'll, we'll just dig even deeper. Uh, I watched the new, I'm not through with the series, and I don't even think I'm going to finish the series. And it's called Island, and it's I dash L A N D. It is a Netflix uh, limited series. L- just to give you a clue of what it is, let's take Lost and shit all over it, and have the worst actors and actresses and shit all over them, and give you this mo- this TV series. It's about a group of people that wake up on an island, don't know what happened to them, and have to figure out what's going on so that's uh, an interesting premise i'll give uh, you that you learn premise. that uh and, and quickly this is no spoiler because it's, it's in the trailer a bit they're um, all dead no they're all prisoners that are experiencing a virtual world on the island but if you die on the island you die in the real world Wait, so is it island like iphone and ipod sort of like is it I is it from land yeah, so if they'd done a lowercase i, I think they would have given that shit away right away. Yeah, it, it, it just... I feel like that's where uh, cyber criminals who abuse uh, uh, Apple products go. Yeah. It, it's just it's just bad. The acting is, oh my god. I was like, really? You're just like, you can tell that you're just... You're just phoning this in because you knew you were getting a paycheck. You're like, you guys like... Yeah, oh, that's the kind of acting done. I like. It's just really, really depressing. I'm sad. This is really sad. Are you sad? Because I'm sad. And you're just like, 
Shut the fuck up. Um, I, I, I'm not going to do it. Uh, in uh, Wanted, somebody kill this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's just bad. Skip it. it. It's right up there with Tall Girls. Um, so go ahead. Go ahead with your one in your note. Because I actually have a series ending I need to talk about. So I uh, I started rereading. I was reading some stuff. Got a little bored with it. So I grabbed something else off my shelf. So I grabbed Kevin Smith's The Green Hornet from many years ago. Hmm. Which is based off a uh, Green Hornet plot that he... Uh, this is comic books, Gonzo. I know. I know. I know. Uh, based off a, co- a movie plot that he wrote that he didn't think he could make uh, into a movie. And no one else... No one else eventually bid on it, so he uh, got permission to make it into the beginnings of a comic series. And sorry to say that it would have made a great movie, because it is good. It fulfills sort of Green Hornet stuff, where he's uh, it's a legacy thing, where, you know, uh, you know, based off his father was the original Green Hornet, oh, all right, right. Kato, and then it's now Kato's daughter, and original Green Hornet's son. Uh, I'm not going to spoil any of the series. It's old, but it's also worth reading. And he's sort of going to pick up the mantle and, uh, you know, go back in. And, and it's all the same stuff. It's just sort of modernized with respect. <clears throat> Unlike the Green Hornet movie I was starting to watch uh, on Friday and didn't finish because apparently I have a limit to my bullshit and it hit quickly. <laughs> um, that movie is... Uh... So it's Seth Rogen and uh, who cares? I don't care. Yeah. Um, I'm going to finish it, give you guys a full review, but right now, I, I mean, I could not, I just, like, you know what? I have sleep calling me. I'm going to go to sleep instead of finishing it. It it has all the cores of being good, which makes the movie even worse, because it's got the right sort of setup. You know, there's some points there. You, you can see the core of a good movie there, but it was not good. It's not half as good, not remotely half as good as what the script Kevin Smith wrote. The script is bad. I mean, I don't want to say the acting is bad because they're in character appropriately for who they are. I just think the characters are written poorly. Um, you have Christoph Waltz as the bad guy, and I mean, they haven't shown a lot of him in, in the movie for this. And I've seen this before. I don't remember all of it with great detail, probably because that's what you do with trauma. You block it out. Um, but uh, it's he's not very interesting with bad guys so far. Um Seth Rogen and the uh, other lead who's playing Kato are not very good in this. I mean, they're solid. There's some core there, but I know there's this bullshit love story coming that doesn't need to be in the movie with Cameron Diaz. I know there's Christoph Waltz coming back and trying to make his character cool and give himself a name and all, and that's going to go over poorly. I know all the stuff is going to happen, and I dread every fucking moment of it. Uh, because this is a spoiler, I really like the Green Hornet. The Green Hornet is my jam. One of my biggest problems with modern media is that they have not worked out the rights to the Green Hornet TV series. So I can get a fucking Blu-ray copy of that and watch all that. Because that is... Like, most people love the Batman one. The Green Hornet was my jam. <laughs> it was like Batman, but it took itself more seriously. Yeah. Uh, and Bruce Lee in that is awesome. Up to the point where apparently overseas they called it the Kato Show because of Bruce Lee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... So, early reviews in on the Green Hornet movie uh, is not going to be good. Uh, the Green Hornet comic, I'm through the first one, the first uh, trade paperback, and into the second one, and I gave it about one space herpes. It's not perfect. A little bit of the humor falls a little weird. It's kind of cliched at points, 
But Kevin Smith's dialogue is sharp. The plot is a lot more interesting than a lot than a lot of other things, and uh, it is a good homage and modernization at the same time. It's how you ma- it, it's almost a textbook case of how you take something and modernize it without getting rid of what used to be. You fold that in, and it's it's very good like that. So I'm looking forward to reading a couple more. I think I own. Uh, another graphic novel or two after this, and I'll find some more on Amazon, and then I will find the time to finish that movie and suffer for you guys. I love you guys. Uh, Gonzo, finish off your thing. You've got like a couple minutes left. But... Um, I finished the series finale of Killjoys was this weekend. Um, oh, shit. Don't spoil anything, because... Not going to spoil. I've only seen the first episode. <laughs> look, look, it's the only one that's free. I'm supposed to borrow the series from my cousin John, but I always forget when I'm over his house. Yeah, so I won't, I won't spoil anything for you. Um, it was disappointing. Really, it was. Um, it's, they phoned it in. They phoned it in big time. They took, like, all the plot and just kind of just went, and we're done. Well, I mean, sometimes you have to with a TV series. You have only so many episodes, and you're like, oh, we gotta get it all done in so many episodes. So, sometimes, like, we can make a bunch of disappointing episodes, or we can just make one. Yeah, it was, it was pretty much, they just phoned it in. It was really bad. Um, and it, it's sad, because I really like the characters. I think they're really interesting and a lot of fun, and I think uh, everything that was going on, I think they dug themselves into a hole, is what they did. And they were like, we gotta, we, we gotta dig ourselves out quicker than anything, like, right now. And they had a whole season to do it, and they did it, they dug everything out in the last episode, so quick, so fast, and it really felt bad. Sort of like the last episode of Enterprise, where it felt like they really just went too much too quick? Uh, well, it was like, oh, all this thing that's happening, we're trying to solve all this stuff. Um, we really need to do it in like four or five more episodes, but uh, fuck it, we'll just do it now. In three minutes. Well, at the end of the day, at least they got an ending, unlike other series. Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed, I, I, I love the cast. I, I love the characters. I love the people. I thought it was a cool series. Uh, I wish it could have gone on for longer. Uh, and, and you could have explored the world more and done more with it because two of the series were actually in the same universe. Uh, it would have been cool to have them kind of you know meet up and you know do little cameos in each one. But the Which first series has been the same, same Dark universe? Matter. Dark Matter. Oh, was it? Yes. Oh. Dark Matter and uh, Killjoys was the same universe. And they were mm-hmm. supposed to have some crop- crossover episodes, but Dark oh. Matter got canceled. I'll be honest, uh, uh, having, after the first episode of both, I was much more interested in Killjoys than Dark Matter. I, I'll agree with you there, too. But, and Dark Matter had some good stuff, but it just lost me. It just was not yeah. at it, a point. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to see Killjoys. Uh, I, I saw the first episode and was intrigued, but it was the only one available for free. So I was like, well, shit. Well, it, it's over. Um, you can definitely see it. and It'll be coming soon. It'll be coming soon. I, w- I just was disappointed. Um, I feel bad that the series didn't get to go longer and get to explore the universe. You can tell, the not this season, but the season before, that they knew they were going to get canceled, so they were kind of rushing the plots and, you know, building things up quicker and faster. And then they got yeah, the well, official notice that they were done, and so they were trying to cram it all in. And in the last episode, they just tried to cram too much, and it was just like, eh, we're phoning it in. Yeah, you know. Oh, that big plot, that big whole story where all this thing is supposed to happen and it's supposed to be this world-changing, life-changing thing. And eh, we're going to put it into one minute. 
So I don't really blame that on the series. I blame that more on the whole industry. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's not they they did what they could and tried to get as much in. Yeah. It was it, just you can tell it was phoned in. It's like blaming Straczynski for the fourth season of Babylon 5 being so packed with everything, and the fifth, fifth season being kind of, well, we didn't realize we were going to get the fifth season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, not bad. Okay. I, I feel sorry for them, you know, because they had to, to rush it, but, you know, that's that's what the business is. Yeah. Um, overall, the series, I would say two to two and a half. Uh, overall, the ending season, the ending series were a little bit meh. Um, but like I said, I love, I love the world. I love the characters. I loved, I would have liked to have seen more of just the team running around doing bounty hunting type stuff, but you don't get that as often and as much. Watch how we will. Yeah. Do that instead. So, uh, for more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Kathy. Good night and take care of yourself. Oh, and check out our sponsors, More Than Dice and Mechanica Studios and Archidan, their Tectonicraft Studios, because we forgot to mention that earlier. Oh, also, Muse on Minis, because you can always check us out, because we're on our Facebook. Say for the again, I must be drinking. You must be drinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs>